Quiet on the set. Action. Welcome, everyone, to the Movie Machine Podcast, presented by Hot Chocolate Media, where I take three illustrious figures from the movie industry, and they create a fantastic film based on a random prompt. Today, I'm joined by our writer, Jacob Gulliver, who's Timothy Ombudsman's beard stylist on Galavant. It is I, the best job I have ever had. I have Tim Wick, our director, who uh, recorded Adam West's video, Will, and Last Testament, and then Ben Lifson. That was sad. Yeah. It was a sad day. Yeah. And then Ben Lifson, our producer, who is Nicholas Cage's fossil custodian. Here's our prompt starting with our writer, Jacob. The theme of your story is dramatic action. The main characters are an intuitive librarian and an intimidating fighter pilot. The major event of the story, keepsake. Keepsake, okay. All right. So you know, you I'm three minutes. Yeah, I'm delighted to be handed this this idea, and I think there's there's a lot to it. So the intuitive librarian is going to be a caretaker of this library of occult and esoteric, arcane kind of books that's buried deep underneath Chicago. Our fighter pilot is a guy who just happens to be off-duty, he's not doing a whole lot of his, his military stuff at the time, something from this library gets stolen because it's a secretive thing. They kind of put together this little team of people to go and, and find this um, this artifact that's been taken. The big part of that that is, is really interesting is we don't know what that artifact is going to be until the very end. So the librarian has been put in charge of this you know, making sure that this doesn't get out, it doesn't fall into the right hands, uh, and she can't reveal to anyone uh, what this artifact actually is. So I'm thinking that the the initial bit of the story, we meet both of those characters, we see the librarian, you know, managing the library, maybe she's archiving something that's just come in, something that was retrieved, and then uh, our fighter pilot we see kind of drinking alone in a bar. Uh, maybe he, you know, chats with uh, another buddy that he hasn't, seen in a while and then after we get those those little scenes in we're going to see them uh converging so because he's off duty because he's fairly well respected in the military but isn't currently on duties in the area uh, maybe he's had like some contact with some kind of like supernatural creature or maybe he's seen like a, a you know ufo or something like that so they know that he's somebody that would be interested to know a little bit more and might have a little bit more knowledge about this this kind of artifact. So they're gonna go on this quest through kind of the underbelly of Chicago. They're gonna interact with like gangsters and criminals and they're gonna interact with all kinds of like interesting, esoteric, quirky people to find this missing artifact that's been taken. And I don't have all of the details yet. I'm still kind of working it out and I, I need a little bit of input on that, but I think that's kind of the direction that I wanna go. And the title for this movie um, is gonna be Return to Sender. Okay. So, our director, Tim, you have a uh, film called Return to Sender, Sender, just kind of a supernatural adventure rock starring a librarian and a pilot. 
How do you make this thing magic? Well, I gotta tell you, I think this is uh, the most brilliant idea I've ever heard in my entire life. I can't, I can't wait to do it. Now, the one thing that uh, I'd like to talk about right up off the bat, we're gonna, we're gonna set this entire thing in Chicago, and I love. I love that idea. I love Chicago. It's my favorite city in the United States. But here's what we're going to do. Instead of filming it in Chicago, we're going to film it in the Louisiana Bayou. But we're going to film it like, like we're in Chicago. And all the actors will be talking about places in Chicago, even though there will be no buildings anywhere. No. And so that's going to give us a real call. And we'll, what we're going to do is we're going to heighten that feeling of fantasy, that feeling that, that they think they're in the field museum, but actually they're just in a field. They're just in a field. And that's, that's, going to be, that's going to be part of the supernatural element to it. Are they really in Chicago? Do they believe for real that they're in Chicago, but they're, they're being affected by these supernatural beings? Now, the casting, obviously, is the most important part of this. So the intuitive librarian, uh, it, she needs to be played by a great ingenue, a great ingenue, and that's why I'm picking Susan Sarandon, because back in the day, she was a great ingenue, and I believe she still can be now, because I don't see age. So Susan Sarandon is going to be our intuitive librarian. Now, I'll fight a pilot. I'll fight a pilot. That that is trickier. You need to have a man who has an imposing stature, a man who, because he's intimidating, right? He's an intimidating fighter pilot. Then there can be no better actor to portray intimidation and fighter pilot-ness than Peter Dinklage. So Peter Dinklage is going to be our fighter pilot, filming with Susan Tarandon in the bayou of Louisiana. Now, uh, the artifact, obviously, that is going to be a very mysterious artifact. It is, however, uh, we need to know that. We need to understand that. And I believe that our mysterious artifact should be a Florida manatee, which has somehow found its way into the bayou of Louisiana. So it's lost. And we need to know why he's lost. And it is a supernatural. There is a ghost. There's a ghost, I tells you. There's a ghost that, that has, it, and it's a ghost of Katrina, the actual hurricane. The actual Hurricane Katrina ghost has led this manatee into the bayou of Louisiana, except it's not actually the bayou of Louisiana. Oh no, oh no. It's the Illinois River running through the middle of Chicago because they really are in Chicago, even though they think they're in the bayou. So when they go wading into the swamp in the bayou, they're actually wading into Lake Michigan. I think it's brilliant. I think there's nothing you can do from here that will make it any worse than it is right now. I mean, better than it is right now. All right, producer Ben, you have the script and the storyboards for Return to Sender, a supernatural adventure rock starring a librarian and a pilot starring Susan Sarandon and Peter Dinklage to where they're under some kind of mysterious ghost effect to where it looks like they're in the Louisiana Bayou, but they're actually in Chicago. How do you make this bad boy make some money? Okay, well, so this is kind of an interesting thing, because uh, looking at the script, I realized as a movie, this is not going to work. However, I thought of a new way that we can market this, and this is going to be actually a 12-episode Netflix series. Mm. Okay? So it's going to go straight to Netflix. A uh, couple problems with that, of course, is that since it's written as just one long mystery, you're going to have to throw in a couple uh, sub-mysteries, kind of keep the audience guessing. We got that going for it. And, uh, you know, I was thinking, you know, the most successful uh, things on Netflix, uh, Life is Strange and the Marvel ones. So we could do Life is Strange. Stranger Things? Stranger Things, yes. Uh, or the Marvel things. So what we're going to do is the whole movie, uh, or the whole series, you know, you're just going to think it's like a one-off thing. At the very end, um, the artifact, we're going to work that into it being the Wad of Watum, uh, which is in From the- Doctor Strange? Yeah. 
which is, and we're going to work in also because that wand actually also caused Katrina. So don't worry, we're not throwing away all your ideas, but we're going to tie it into that universe at the last second. Uh, but we're going to keep it separate enough so you can still have uh, your creative freedom. Uh, just you got to work in a couple of those cameos. But yeah, so yeah, 12 episode Netflix series. Uh, each one you're probably going to get, I'd say, like, um, I don't know, $2 million an episode. Is that right? I think that's right. I'm going to assume that's right. I'm writing that on the check if that's right. If I'm wrong, I just lost a lot of money, but that's okay. So um, I really don't have many other notes than that, just because we really just want to be open to your creativity and just make sure you get enough of the cameos in. And um, yeah, make it really <coughs> mysterious. That's the thing is we don't want anyone to know what's going on until the very end. All right. So back to our writer. So your original scripts were returned to you with ordered uh, your film has been now ordered as a 12 episode Netflix Doctor Strange spin-off procedural adventure mystery show. But you can't have Doctor Strange in it or anything because he's too expensive. What is tied into the universe? Okay. Yeah. So um, so yeah. Yeah, no, I, I'm I'm delighted to have Marvel behind me on this one and that's you know, that's something I've always dreamed about. I'm going to delve deep into the back catalog and grab a really inexpensive character that I actually really love. Uh, and that character is Nightmare. Nightmare is a caretaker of a, a wild dimension that resembles a lot of the, the Earth mythos revolving around, like, fairy creatures and elves and things like that. Creatures that can, you know, ensorcel your mind and, you know, make you believe things that aren't real and forge... Uh, bargains that transcend space and time. So this this adventure, we could still stick with that Bayou idea uh, in the sense that Nightmare has tried to prevent the librarian and the fighter pilot from getting to this artifact by ensorceling them and making them believe that they're in the Louisiana Bayou instead of Chicago. They can't see Chicago around them. So they're trying to figure out where to go and who to talk to but their, their vision has been changed. They're not able to understand uh, what's going on. And Nightmare will, you know, he'll be off screen most of the time. We'll get like a voice that comes in every once in a while. And then the last episode, we'll actually get to see him holding the wand of Watum. So I think that's going to be something that'll work really well. And in, in that shot, by the way, uh, he needs to be riding his uh, pitch black unicorn that he rides through his dimension. Because that is, that is a sight that I think Marvel fans will just like jump up and down and scream for is that moment with Nightmare. I might have gone like a little bit far with how much I'm, I'm interested in seeing Nightmare on screen and that's, you know, that's on me. But I think there's a little bit more that we can do with that kind of artifact aspect. So let's make this something that's segmented. There's pieces of it. And as they're going on this journey, they're collecting these pieces to reassemble it. Uh, Nightmare's actually taken it apart and scattered it all over uh, Chicago so that nobody else can use it. And they're trying to return all these parts to that point, uh, hence the return to sender title, and then get it back to where it belongs. And we won't find out until the, that last episode why it belongs one particular place or not, but I want to see those parts being assembled. This also gives us the opportunity to bring in some more kind of fantastical creatures or things that can appear on screen because of that ensorcelment. So maybe if they're going to visit the butcher shop down the road, instead of it being, you know, kind of a tubby bearded guy who's got a, a smock on, maybe it's like 
an anthropomorphic pig man who has a, a big beard and, you know, an oversized cleaver that's the size of a human torso. That could be kind of cool. So I, I kind of want to do that with the, the characters they interact with, and I think that'll work really well. I also want to bring in Rosario Dawson as Night Nurse again, so she's just going to show up a couple episodes and, you know, say hello. Tie that universe together. Right, tie everything together. All right, director, your film has been changed into a 12-episode Marvel miniseries about Nightmare, which ties into the Doctor Strange universe. Oh, this is fantastic. This is fantastic. I couldn't ask for anything better. It just it allows me to expand the, the tapestry of a universe that we're already creating. Now, uh, I think uh, the, the really important thing that we got to talk about is who's going to play Nightmare. Uh, because if we don't get that casting right, then the rest of this is, is, is garbage. Is garbage. So I think we need to have Steve Buscemi play Nightmare for us. So he's going to do great. I understand he knows how to ride horses already. So we don't have to worry about that problem. There's no training because he rides horses all the time. Steve Buscemi is a great horse rider. Now, what I would like to do, I would like to populate this entire world. Yeah, yeah. They all, he just showed me a picture of Nightmare. It looks exactly like Steve Buscemi. It really now, does. Uh, what I want to do, uh, what I want to do, is I want to populate this entire world. And, and and the thing is, this is part of the strange world that Nightmare is creating. Is we are going to populate all of the Bayou Chicago. Uh, with uh, little people, little people, you know, like Peter Dinklage, he's a little person. We don't call them dwarves; we call them little people. And he is going. We're going to populate every everywhere. There will be little people, and Susan Sarandon will comment on it, and and Peter Dinklage will just. It's normal. Now, here's what I want to do. I want to get grown-up child actors. So, so actors who are well known as children, but have now grown up like Drew Barrymore and Dakota Fanning and Macaulay Culkin, all right. But they will still be playing children. But the strange thing is, unlike everyone else in this world who are little people, the children are big people, and that's that's what Nightmare does to everything. And uh, what what happens is as and then then uh, the other thing the other thing and this is really important is is Steve Buscemi is going to play Nightmare in the early episodes, but near the end, near the end, it's going to turn out that Nightmare is actually Claude Rains. And I know that sounds difficult because he's dead, but but the fact is with the amount, because we're shooting in the bio, which is cheap, and we got $2 million per episode, all we gotta do is send somebody in to do some second unit shots over in Chicago. The rest is in the bayou. That doesn't cost us that much, and that means we can afford a great deal of CGI to insert a CGI Claude Rains, who's only gonna be there for the last episode and a half. And I think we got the money to do it. I'm excited about it. This is going to be an amazing project. It's going to be the best Netflix series in the history of Netflix series. Alright, so it's still, I guess, called Return to Sender, but basically you got Marvel's Nightmare. How do you like what your uh, creative team's done with it? So the first producer? we're calling it Nightmare. Uh, getting Just getting that out of the way. Uh, we should have probably done that earlier, but I'm doing it now. Um, also turns out that $2 million was actually more than I should have assigned you per episode. Uh, I can't get that money back, so I am... Just gonna have to make money by quitting drinking now, or save money. Drink a lot. Yeah. So, so a couple things. First off, can't use Peter Dinklage actually because it turns out that he is scheduled to play another Marvel character of Frogman. Uh, we are getting uh, Danny. I think you just made that up. No, he's a character. Um, see, he's part. He's gonna be in Infinity Wars. They're getting all the obscure characters in that. Uh, so, going to get some Danny DeVito action in there, uh, who mm -hmm. has oddly not been asked to be in Marvel yet. Go figure that. 
He's going to play a fighter pilot. Yeah, exactly. Now, a couple okay. a couple other things is, first off, all the other Marvel Netflix things have had a lot of a bit more political statements, you know, pride about the city that they're in. For the other ones, it's been about New York. Uh, this one, we want every episode, there needs to be a passionate speech about the, um, ba- the spirit of the bayou and, you know, bayou pride and bayou history and all that kind of stuff. So um, you're going to have to shoehorn that in every episode. Macaulay Colgan was on set for like a day when they had to fire him for being too creepy because he kept asking to touch everyone's skin. He's had an interesting couple of years, so uh, we're not going to use him anymore. I think you can probably get uh, Frodo because he was a child actor. Elijah Wood? Yeah, Elijah Wood for a while. Uh, Because he was a kid actor for a while and he turned out all right. I mean, yeah, not, he'll work for a pack of smokes these days. Right, he's not doing anything else. So, I mean, he's so typecast that I forgot his name and called him Frodo. So, and I know actors. So, um, we got to get that in there. Marvel wants to distance themselves a little bit more from this. Uh, they can't fully do it now. So, um, they're going to say uh, no. They can't have the actor who plays Night Nurse in it. Uh, she doesn't what? like the script. However... They're going to allow you to fudge it a bit and have her uh, cousin, who we're going to be going to call uh, the Afternoon Doctor. <laughs> so she can show up. Uh, you can pretty much, you don't even need to change any of the dialogue, and uh, you'll be fine in that case. <laughs> so other than that, I think we should be good. It's going to make us rich. It's going right. to make us rich. So I am going to put uh, the results of your Netflix series into the movie machine Abacus. Uh, we've had to make some budgetary cuts here, so hold on, let me slide these beads around. Alright, oh, wow. So, we lived in a world where everyone thought Marvel could do no wrong. And then they greenlit this thing. This, this is the one reviewer calls it, Marvel's Man of Steel, or Marvel's Snyderverse. It's weird, it's dark, it doesn't make sense. And Danny DeVito, one credit goes, Danny DeVito is a fighter pilot. I did not know that they made barrel-shaped cockpits. Uh, <laughs> it, it's just mind-bogglingly bad. A lot of people start watching ironically. A big drinking game has started and rules are posted on the internet. So a lot of people play a drinking game. Every time there's a speech about the bayou, people take a drink. Every time a little person appears on camera, people take a drink. And so on and so forth. So that's kind of been the crux of it. I mean, it does get lots of notoriety, so Netflix is still happy because tons of people still stream it because everyone wants to see Marvel fail horribly because they haven't. They didn't know that was possible. And now they have. And people are like, Marvel's Nightmare literally is Marvel's Nightmare. So you now have two minutes each to hopefully not make the worst Marvel thing ever. I mean, it's still better than Iron Man 2. So... I will stand by that until the day that I died that this series that we've created is better than Iron Man 2. I'm, you know, I'm not surprised that Marvel's decided to distance themselves after that Danny DeVito casting choice. Switching, switching from Peter Dinklage to Danny DeVito is like handing somebody gold and having them give you like a handful of banana flavored now and laters in return. This is, this is just, I'm stuck here, you guys. That's, that's the sticking point for me. I can write, you know, the... The best dialogue I've ever written for Danny DeVito, and it's still going to come out as, like, kind of awkward and a little bit chumbly around the edges. And I don't know how to, how to fix that one. So here's, here's what I think I'm going to do. The ensorcelment aspect is also going to affect 
Danny DeVito's character. If we can still get Dinklage, that'd be better. Um, but we could just like hire a real cheap like male model, like some guy who looks kind of nice. And then when the ensorcelment hits, it hits him too. So then when they're in the bayou portion of it, he's Danny DeVito. And the other times he's like the handsome male model who looks good in the, the fighter pilot uniform. So I think that can fix that a little bit. Uh, if we can't use Night Nurse, we're not gonna do anything with Afternoon Doctor. That's some BS, and that's just making them look worse. What I think we are gonna do, we're gonna amp up like the terror factor, because even if we can't sell it through Marvel, we're, we can sell it to horror fans, because they'll take like low budget anything. So we're gonna like make it creepier, we're gonna make it like gorier we want there to be like more weird violence and more like dark spooky jump scare shit um to make it sell to that audience a little bit more and i think you know if we can't get marvel's license we still have a really cool spooky bad guy all right uh director yeah you, you know underwear model added and less danny devito yes well i, I the, the problem with danny devito i don't know that we needed less of him but the problem was because of our budget because we blew our budget on the uh, cgi claude rains we didn't have enough money to get uh cigars cigars for danny devito and everybody knows that if danny devito doesn't have a cigar then he can't act with a goddamn so uh, i think first up we just need to edge up that budget by about $5,000 per episode, and we can afford to get Danny DeVito some really fine cigars. And if we're stuck with Danny DeVito, then that's going to be the way that we make him really do a great job. Now, I love the idea of turning this more into a into a creepy, low-budget horror film. That is a great idea. And the other thing that we need to do is we need to remember the, the big problem with the bio speeches is we forgot that these characters are actually in Chicago, but believe they're in the bayou. So they should have been... Chicago speeches because I don't know if you knew this this is this is uh, interesting information way more people live in Chicago than in the Louisiana Bayou way more people so so we were aiming at the wrong demographic because my understanding my understanding is they loved this series in the Bayou but they hated this series in Chicago because the characters were in Chicago but they weren't talking about being in Chicago so all we got to do is just change those speeches to be about Chicago. This is way more successful. So, simply put, we turn it into a horror movie. We kill more little people. We just we just throw them into wood chippers at, at every at every opportunity. We increase the budget just enough to give Danny DeVito some cigars. We stop doing speeches about the Bayou. We do speeches about Chicago, and this thing this thing goes crazy. It goes viral. All right, so producer, yeah, Marvel's completely pulled their relationship. Your, your creative team's turned this into a low-budget, kind of like, it's a poor man's Stranger Things with more jump scares and gore. How do you feel about that? Do you so, think it's going to make this thing a success? So I have some interesting news, actually. Uh, so yeah, Marvel has pulled the plug completely. Uh, we have to remove all the references to Marvel. However, it turns out to pick up the pieces, so DC wants to break into the Netflix game. And, you know... They, and they figure, you know what, we're going to try to copy Marvel's success so much that we're just going to take what they made and just work it into our own thing. So That's what uh, I do. So now it's about Dr. Fate. Um, you just need to CGI a helmet onto him and keep pretty much everything else the same. Um, I feel that by comparison to some of the other DC Universe things, this will actually shine really well. I think we'll really you know, promote it in comparison to Suicide Squad and those. And I think... With that, um, people will be a lot more appreciative to it. They'll find it more wacky and silly side of the DC universe. Maybe we can just replace Nightmare with Clary and the Witch Boy. 
Well, I'd like to remind you that mm. nightmare is is a word that is not copyrighted. This is true. Mm. Yeah. Just, so we can have a yeah. character who's nightmare that isn't Marvel's nightmare. I mean, I'm but, sure. I'm just saying that I'm gonna have to go in and, and scrub out that the beautiful black unicorn that we've we've put in because. Marvel's gonna sue the pants off of us. Oh no! It's, see that. It's, Don't simple, worry. it's simple. It's all we gotta do. He's it, nightmare. I can just be talking about a female horse at night. All we gotta do is CGI out that one. Mm-hmm. CGI. You out know, that I was one. just thinking that that that's 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 great. Um, that fortunately, true. I'm and I got you another half a million per episode. This time I've quit Coke, so uh, we have a bit more budget for episode two. So you're gonna just spend that to After Effects uh, references out. Put uh, Clarion hair. On the guy, um, Steve Buscemi is clearly on the witch boy. Yeah, j- just CGI <laughs> some extra hair wig on him, and um, if you don't know who that is, Google search him so you'll understand. And uh, yeah, I think we will be in business. All right, so um, the the movie machine has reevaluated this. It, it's not much. It's not as universally hated as it was before. That's because they love it and in Chicago like, now. And, and now that it's a DC thing, everyone's like, yeah. It's not bad for DC. Marvel wouldn't make this crap, but DC would. <laughs> and so you know, it's it's basically a step below Suicide Squad, but a step oh. above BVS. So you know, it sits in that just perfect mediocrity to terribleness that you know is now accepted and expected from the DC. That's the best I can hope for. So so you really don't let anyone down. Everyone's confused why, you know, 58-year-old Steve Buscemi is playing Clary on The Witch Boy. Um, because but, that's amazing. Because but, but, magic But you completely matter. revive the uh, the meme of him where it was like, what's up, kids, where he's playing the undercover cop in high school <laughs> meme, but then they just replace it with Clary on The Witch Boy. And then Marvel does sue you all and DC because Netflix was kind of their domain. Netflix and Disney had, like, this big... Thing. So there's there's a big legal wrangling with that, and eventually all the money you could have made from it just goes to legal fees. So you don't lose money, but you definitely are at the exact same place you started. We'll make out. all the money back because I'll quit acid. How are you not dead? He's been quitting drinking and cocaine. Yeah. It's good for it's good for yeah, his health. Sure. So with that, on on that note, I'm going to end with this word of advice from our sage Guy Fieri. Oh my gosh, I'm a kimchi junkie. Thank you, everyone. This has been the movie machine. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I'm a kimchi junkie.